Good morning. I'm so happy to be here this morning, and I'm happy to see each one of you here this morning. Um, I think it's uh, very appropriate that we sang that song about Calvary this morning uh, because of this being um, uh, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And um, what a glorious thing for us to think about that he died for us and that now we can have life eternal. And if that event had not taken place, we would not be able to have eternal life, could we? And so um, that is uh, something to think about this morning. And the other thing I thought about is in Gethsemane, uh, where in the Desire of Ages it talks about that Jesus overcame on the point of appetite. And I thought how appropriate that we are having the health and the physical put together this weekend because of what happened there in Gethsemane. And if you've never read that in Desire of Age, I would want to recommend that highly to you because there's real victory in that chapter. And you know that we're told that reading these things help us and uh, there's a power in the book Desire of Ages that is really unknown to man other than by reading that book and applying those things. And so I want to recommend that to you. And, um, and you know, we're going to talk about the immune system, and some people think, well, the immune system, I mean, you know, is that appropriate on the Sabbath day? It is very appropriate on the Sabbath day because if we would look uh, close enough in the Bible, we could see that the Lord is talking about our immune system. He wants us to be healthy and happy, and he wants us to be able to strengthen our immune system. And there is a way, brothers and sisters, and I hope that I can bring it to you this morning in a way that's easy to understand. Our immune system is quite complicated, and um, I only, uh, you know, I don't understand it in the detail that a doctor would, but I'm going to give it to you in a simple way that I understand it, and hopefully that it will help you. Now, my husband was supposed to be here, but he, he got detained this morning. And uh, so I wonder, I would like to begin this meeting with singing uh, A Merry Heart, Doeth Good Like a Medicine. And it's very meaningful to me because even though I was not raised a Christian, my mother used to say that, and I heard that all my life, A Merry Heart, Doeth Good Like a Medicine. But you know what? Parents sometimes leave off the important part, but a broken spirit drives the bones. And when you learn that your immune system is born in the bones, then that Bible verse becomes more meaningful, doesn't it? And so if you would join me, um, I seem like I can't sing without my husband, so I want you to sing nice and loud. And uh, let's sing it together. A merry heart, do it good like a medicine, like a medicine. Like a medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. And folks, when you sing that song, try and smile and do really have a cheerful and merry heart because you're going to get endorphins from that. And I'm going to explain that to you a little bit later. Well, some people think, well, isn't the health message? I mean, don't people call you a fanatic? Well, I remember some years ago when I was uh, first a, a new Christian. I went to this church, and it was a huge church, about a thousand membership, and Seventh-day Adventist church. And uh, this pastor came out to speak, and uh, I was so in love with the message, and um, so in love with, uh, you know, Adventism. You know, I thought absolutely this is the way to go. This is what's been missing in my life all these years. And uh, this pastor was a delightful man, and uh, he really had an impact on me. I've never forgotten him in all of my Christian life. But uh, I noticed that on the platform, it had a rather large podium, 
And he came and he sort of grabbed a hold of it. He was very quiet. He didn't say any, you know, how they usually come out and say good morning or something right away. He didn't. He just sort of leaned on the podium and then he leaned over towards the people closer and closer and he sort of said in a real loud voice, are they calling you a fanatic yet? And no one answered. The whole room was still quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And then he leaned over again and he yelled it a little louder. He said, I said, are they calling you a fanatic yet? Because if they're not brothers and sisters, you don't have it right yet. <laughs> and I thought about that and I thought, well, no one's ever called me a fanatic. Of course, I didn't know about the health message. Oh yes, I was a vegetarian, but I was doing it all wrong. You know, when you sort of come in and you know everyone is a vegetarian, you want to do it right away. And what I did is I began to eat a lot of cheese and those kind of casseroles, and I began to gain weight, and I had to have my gallbladder out and those kind of things, you know, right away, because I just didn't know what I was doing. But God knew my heart, and I was uh, really trying to be an, uh, a vegetarian. And not that I had heard anything about health or anything, but I thought about that. And as the years went by, and um, I began to look in councils and diets and foods, and that's where I regained my health, is out of that book. And as I began to study, um, I had uh, one, you know, and my husband and I, we were invited to a lot of homes, and uh, we had a lot of friends, and... And we just had, you know, a really uh, nice life, you know, and, um, and uh, finally one of my best friends called me up and she said, you know, um, you've been studying a lot of councils and diets and food and I noticed the changes you're making and she said, you know, you better be careful or nobody's going to invite you over for dinner. <laughs> well, that shocked me because I thought, well, it's there in the books what I'm doing and I wonder why that would be. Why would that be? I didn't know that eventually I was going to be called a fanatic. And as the years went by, one day um, I had a friend come over and she said, um, she had told me that some people shared with her to be careful of those Heathmans. They're nice people and all, but they're fanatics. And so she shared with me this with me and she thought that I was going to be hurt. And when I heard they, that they called me a fanatic, I said, praise the Lord. That's the first time I've ever been called a fanatic. Praise the Lord. She sort of looked at me like, you know, what's wrong? She's supposed to be sad. I was so happy to think that for the first time I'd been called a fanatic. And so you might ask yourself that question this morning. Are you being called a fanatic, you know, by your lifestyle? Because if you're not, I don't think you have it right yet. So uh, fanatic isn't that bad of a word. All right, let's talk a little bit about the immune system and how um, it's born in the bone marrow. First of all, all of the red blood cells and most of the white blood cells are born in the bone marrow. And uh, the function of the red blood cells is to carry oxygen to every cell of the body. And it's very important to our immune system to have this oxygen. And um, they are, um, and we, what we really want to remember is the life of the flesh is in the blood. And um, if you're not, if you're, your uh, blood system is so clogged up that you know the oxygen can't get through to every cell in the body, that part that it's not getting through to is going to be dying. So you want to remember the life of the flesh is in the blood, Leviticus 17:11. So to remain alive and active, each cell of the body must have oxygen. And um, perfect health depends upon perfect circulation. And the red, uh, red blood cells now are confined within the walls of the blood cells. And the white cells are quite independent and they can roam around anywhere. And the white blood cells, it is their job to devour and destroy any germs and bacteria that may have found their way into the system. And um, the white uh, blood cells are um, can normally attack and destroy 14 invading germs, a, a healthy immune system. And uh, the white blood cells are larger than the red blood cells, and there are different, several different kinds of white blood cells. And so the first, your first line of defense is 
the polys, and they're shaped like this. And I can draw these any which way and be correct because they're all different shapes. And if a bacteria comes in, like if you cut your finger or something, the polys rush over to try and heal it. They surround the bacteria, and these little arms come out and hug the bacteria and kill it and devour it. So that would be your first line of uh, defense. And the white cells, they're more numerous. And there's different kinds of white cells. And a healthy immune system is ready to act at the first sign of any danger. So, um, and uh, these polys, called polys, it's a real long word, and they've shortened it to polys, even the doctors call them polys. Um, and they catch the staph and uh, strep, those kind of bacteria. Now, some of them refuse to die, and they have to be taken care of by the B lymphocytes. And the B lymphocytes are smaller than the polys. They're kind of Y-shaped. And what they do is they come and they gang up on the bacteria, surround it, and hug it, and devour it. And uh, they are our second line of defense. And then the most important part of your immune system is the T lymphocytes. How many of you have heard about the T lymphocytes? Not very many. The T lymphocytes, it's in the newspapers in America a lot about our immune system. And um, I, I think that in America they must uh, zero in more on health than they do here because um, I've noticed that in some of the other countries, they don't know about cholesterol or what their cholesterol level is. They don't know about T cells and their immune system and quite how it works. And I think it's because you're not getting enough in the newspaper or TV to stimulate your appetite for it. But, um, you know, uh, I'm sure you've talked, about, you've heard about AIDS. Um, AIDS is a, uh, stands for uh, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Haven't you heard about AIDS and how the immune system is involved that way? And it's because of uh, the T cells being weakened and that sort of thing. Okay, there's no pill that can strengthen the immune system. There's only one thing that will strengthen the immune system, and they know this for sure, and it's this. New start. If you can remember that word, you have the first letter of each one of the true health principles. And uh, um, I learned about this firsthand. When we were in Detroit, we were at a Baptist church, and we had quite a few attend these meetings. In fact, they were so successful that they have asked us, all of the uh, Baptist churches in Detroit have invited us to come back and go from church to church. And Sarah probably be interested in that because she went with us and when we did that program. And um, so now, uh, I don't know how many people this entails, but they have a lot of Baptist churches in the area. And um, we're supposed to go back in April of next year. So you may want to pray about that program because I believe that God is really ministering to the people in the world and in the other churches right now and helping them to come together with a health message. And, you know, sad to say, brothers and sisters, they accept it a lot easier than we do. And they're more ready for it. And so pray for that program. Anyway, there was a young man there, and in the beginning, he was related to one of the students that were at Heartland. And, um, he wanted nothing to do with religion. He was in the last stages of AIDS, and he had come home to die. And um, he found the Lord through the book Steps to Christ. And when she gave him that book, I mean, he called her up and he even cussed her out. And uh, I mean, she said, I had to hang up. I couldn't listen to that. She said, but I did it politely. <laughs> and um, she said, I just couldn't listen to it. And uh, but anyway, as he was laying on his deathbed, he thought, oh, what do I have to lose? I'm going to read the book anyway. And so he did, and he found Christ. And he came to the meetings, and he applied this New Start program. And it wasn't long, and he gained 18 pounds. 
He was very, very thin. I mean, and for him to gain 18 pounds and uh, his countenance changed and he was just a really delightful man. And uh, he had quite a testimony at the banquet. We always have a banquet after a series of meetings and he had quite a, a testimony. I called him just uh, not too long before I went to Australia this last time to find out, you know, is it still in remission? And uh, yes, it is, it's still in remission. And you know what he has, he has a ministry. And he told us, look, if you can get me those books, uh, because in the meantime, then he has read uh, Ministry of Healing. He said, if you can get me those books, uh, Steps to Christ and Ministry of Healing, he said, I can get them out to the people and I can get them to the people who will read them. And he's going all over um, ministering to people and giving them those books. And do you think that God is having the rocks cry out and doing our work? This man is going all over. He's uh, mainly in New York, and he witnesses to other AIDS victims. They've kept close account in what he's doing in his life. The doctors are absolutely amazed. They can explain nothing you know, other than the fact that he's living New Star. Now, there's other people who have applied New Star without the trust, and they don't go into remission like uh, they do if they accept all eight. And um, so it's, it's recorded now, and they know that, that it is possible for AIDS to go into uh, remission by using New Start. So wasn't God good to us to give us this for us to have a healthy immune system? Now, anytime we violate these eight true health principles, we weaken our T cells. Now, I'm going to share with you some ways that you can weaken your T cells. And at this time that we're living in, with all the diseases that are around, brothers and sisters, if we ever needed a strong immune system, it is now. We are the last people living on the face of this earth. We're the most puny people that have ever lived. And we need to do what we can on our part to strengthen our immune system. Now, if you put too much fat in your diet, you weaken your immune your T cells. If you put um, uh, too much protein in your diet, you weaken your T cells. By not drinking enough water, you weaken your T cells. Why is that, do you think? You know, if your urine is yellow, you're not drinking enough water. You should drink enough water to where your urine is clear. Because if you're not, you're holding toxins in your body longer than you should and longer than you need to. And uh, giving them a chance to um, cause you uh, problems. If you're not getting enough sleep, I just uh, was so thrilled when I, just before I came over here, and I forgot to bring the test with me, but it showed that by not getting the proper sleep, in other words, if you're deprived of a few hours sleep at night, you're, um, I forgot to mention to you, there's different kinds of white cells. There's killer T cells, helper T cells, memory T cells, uh, all different kinds that all work together. And when you don't get enough sleep, if you, you're lacking a few hours sleep, those killer T cells are put out of commission until you do get a proper night's uh, sleep, and then they come right back in again. But think about, I think about times in my life of how many times I've deprived myself of sleep or pushed myself harder than I should have, whether it be with work or whatever, and how I was uh, depressing my immune system and and knocking out the T cells. The T cells are the most important. The T cells are the ones that catch the uh, tuberculosis and the cancer and the real bad germs that are coming in. So see, we need strong T cells. And uh, even becoming afraid, by becoming afraid, you can weaken your T cells. You know, most of the time we have sudden fear, you know, things happen that cause a sudden fear, and what you get a big shot of adrenaline going in your system. And nine, tens, uh, nine things out of ten that you become frightened about never happen. Do you realize that? But you get that big shot of adrenaline. It was there for a reason, and God gave it to us because of we're either going to have to have some energy to get away, or whatever we're going to do, we need extra strength. And that was what it was for. But most of the time, we become fearful. Nothing happens. That adrenaline's there. And sometimes we don't even move out of the chair. We just sit there. And so uh, we got a big shot of adrenaline. 
Now, sugar weakens the white uh, blood cells also. And say if a one white um, cell could catch 14 invading germs, after you eat sugar, it's knocked down to one to five. So you can see why we were cautioned uh, not to be uh, using a lot of sugar. Now, some people ask me, are you advocating no sugar? We never were told that, were we? We said, it, she said, you know, some sugar. It was all right for some sugar. And so um, many times when I go into homes, I mean, uh, people think that I'm saying, uh, for myself, I don't use sugar. You know, but if I got a little bit in something, I'm not going to have a big heart attack over that because I know that she said that it would be all right. And um, uh, it's just that I don't use any sugar because I can't afford to weaken any of my immune system. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we all have to have, use common sense on this. Now, uh, the next thing I want to show you As I want you to think about this, I'm going to draw you a picture of your thumb. Now, I'm going to show you something that goes on quite often, and older people experience this. And if I can explain it to you properly, you will understand what is happening in your system. Do you know people who have arthritis? I mean, we think arthritis is a disease. And, you know, can, can this person be helped with um, their arthritis? I mean, is, we, we begin to think of arthritis as something that we caught from somebody or something. But do you know where arthritis is coming from? Is the small uh, capillaries. Do you say capillaries or capillaries here? Capillaries? That's what they say in Australia, too. And uh, I was there long enough to where I got home, I was saying capillaries, and everyone was looking at me like, what's that? <laughs> but anyway, your little capillaries are being clogged up. So now, if you know people who have uh, inflammation in the joints, in their fingers, and they're sore, and some ladies especially seem to have it more than men, and they walk the floor, their hands hurt them so bad. There's pain, they're red, and, and inflammation is there. What is happening is the uh, capillaries are being clogged up, and the oxygen or the blood is not getting through, nourishing every um, joint of the body. So right here, you have a problem because you got you no know, blood is coming through, see? And what happens is these polys come over here to try and help. They know something's wrong and they want to help the situation and so it becomes swollen, red and inflamed because the polys are there trying to help. So, but finally you can't stand the pain and so if you go to the doctor, what will he recommend? Aspirin. He starts with aspirin. And now yeah, that takes the pain away. What really happens is that uh, aspirin is an anti-inflammatory. So what it does is it sends the polys home, say go home, we don't need you over here, and the polys go home, the swelling goes down, and you think that you're getting relief. But the whole condition is still going on because you didn't change your lifestyle. The arteries, the little capillaries and everything is still being clogged up. But now you don't know it, right? You don't have any pain. You don't even have anything to signal you. God gave us pain and um, these little things to signal you that something's wrong in the system. That's the way with headaches. God is allowing you to know there's something wrong in the system, something that you need to uh, look into. You know, if your toe hurts, this is the way we're taught. Um, when I was a little girl, I know this. Well, think, don't think about it and it'll go away. We'll, we'll do anything but think about our foot, you know. We'll try and stay busy and everything. Yes, my foot hurts, but I'm going to stay busy and I'm going to ignore it. And uh, yet, God is trying to tell us there's something wrong. You need to look into it. And so they uh, take the aspirin and all of this goes away, but except for after a while, the condition gets bad again. And uh, now the pain is back and the redness is there. Now somehow people are making the connection that aspirin is healing. There is no pill that is healing. It only covers up the symptoms while the whole condition is going on. And all medication weakens your immune system. Are you aware of that? All medication weakens the immune system.
And so wouldn't it be better to look in your lifestyle and find out what's causing this rather than taking aspirin? And by the way, ladies, aspirin causes breast cancer. And I used to take a lot of aspirin before I realized this principle. All right, now, pretty soon that doesn't work. He'd go back to the doctor and say, the aspirin is not working. What should I do? And this time he'll recommend maybe Motrin, at least in America. I don't know if you have the same things that we do, but Motrin is a little stronger than aspirin. And again, you go home and that works for a while, and then pretty soon it comes back again, and the next time it will be cortisone. And cortisone is a very harmful drug. And uh, as well as these other ones, and they are anti-inflammatory, but they're also anti-poly. So do you so, sort of get an idea of what's going on? Now, people, almost all back pain is caused from the condition I just showed you. This is your spine, and these little uh, things are this, sort of a rough not really your spine, but these little uh, discs in here are pink and soft, spongy material. So when you move, you can move without pain. And uh, almost all back problems, the first signs of atherosclerosis is from this condition, these little uh, capillaries that come over and nourish these little discs become clogged up. And these little pink spongy things become gray and hard. And if you be, do heavy work with this condition going on, eventually you have a ruptured disc. And so when you want to think about when you're having back pain, you know, what is it really coming from? I mean, there are some other reasons uh, for back pain, but most of it is coming because the uh, capillaries are being clogged up. And um, the same thing is happening in your hips, in your shoulder joints. In America, it is not uncommon to have one or two hips have been operated on, and maybe even more than once, in the shoulders. And uh, this last few years, at first, uh, once in a while, you'd hear somebody having the uh, shoulder operated on. It's not uncommon. In a group this big, there'd be several there that have had this surgery because the, uh, the capillaries are clogged up and the oxygen is not getting through to the joints. And um, so <clears throat> you have pain, especially like if it's happening in this area, you get a lot of pain in the groin, in the hips, and uh, it's because the blood is not getting through to nourish that. And uh, so when you walk, you can have pain. And so what do you do? You stop walking. That's the worst thing you could do. Even in Spirit of Prophecy, she said, if it hurts, keep on walking. Because now I know there's some conditions that maybe your, your doctor have told you you can't walk. I'm not speaking to you. You'd be an isolated case. But I'm saying for someone who is overweight, the capillaries are being clogged up, you must walk, and you must walk every day. And we, Dr. Harding told us that out of these eight true uh, principles, of course, trust is the most important one because you can't even do the other seven without the last one. You can try it in sheer guts just for a while, but it won't last long. You can't do those other ones unless you have the bottom one. The bottom one is the foundation for uh, all the rest of them. But he said out of those other seven, uh, the most important is exercise. So what I'm saying to you is you could have a gross diet. If you exercise every day, you'd live longer than someone who had a perfect diet and never exercised. So that's something that you want to think about, and you want to certainly get walking back into your lifestyle. Now, some ladies say, oh, well, listen, you don't know, you haven't been around me. I work hard in my house, and I do this and that. It's not the same thing. It's not what you do with your heart and get your blood uh, moving fast through the system. And that's where perfect health comes from, is getting the blood through to every cell of the body. All right. Um, now, um, let me ask you here, um, I hope that you can see that the T cells are very important to your immune system. Let me see the hands. How many of you have had your tonsils out? Can I see your hands? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know your tonsils are a big sack of T cells? And look where they're located, right before anything maybe harmful to go down. 
And um, how many of you have your appendix out? Can I see your hands? How many have had your appendix out? Not as many. In America, more than half of the room would raise their hand. Well, my husband and I, we both feel robbed because there was nothing wrong with our appendix. They just took them out when they were doing other surgery. I really feel robbed. I never gave anybody permission to do that. I was never even asked. I just woke up and they were gone. And that's the same with my husband. And so um, what we want to remember is uh, there is a better way. God has provided a way for us. And, um, and if we get our immune system stronger and by following the eight true remedies. Now, what about you're asthma? Saying, you're saying about the appendix. What, what is the oh, pardon me. The appendix is another big sack of T cells. I'm sorry. I uh, get ahead of myself. All right. <clears throat> Asthma is a sign of a weak immune system as well as allergies. And uh, I wish I had a chance to go into allergies because it is a fascinating subject, but I don't have enough time. But if you have allergies, you may want to come and speak to me later on. Now, um, Let's talk about a merry heart, doeth good like a medicine. I don't know how the time goes so fast, but I got half a lecture yet to give. What am I going to do? <laughs> All right. Um, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now, when you have a merry heart, your brain produces endorphins. Endorphins is a chemical that is for your well-being. It's a natural, safe, pain-relieving, memory-enhancing, morphine-like hormone. It's something you need. It's for your well-being. And there's many ways that you can get it. And one of them is by having peace and joy in your life. But a broken spirit drives the bones. And now that you know how you're a little bit about, and it's just a tiny little bit that I've shared with you, how your immune system works. Can you see how a broken spirit, if it dries your bones, how it's going to affect your immune system? Can you see that about drying your bones? What was God saying? You know, that we have to have moisture in our bones, wasn't he? All right. Um, uh, endorph endorphins come from laughing. You know, in America, they have laughing centers where chronically ill, chronic, who have pain, they go and show them Laurel and Hardy movies, anything to stimulate their laughter. Now, I don't think that God was saying that, you know, he, but he wants us to be joyful and happy. I can remember when my husband and I first began singing in the Adventist churches, and when I would stand up in front of the people, it was frightening to me. And of course, it was a big church, and, and I really don't have a voice, you know, other than the Lord blessed me to be able to harmonize with my husband. It was a gift the Lord gave me. And, um, but when I would get up there and I'd look out at the people, they would all look mean. I mean, like, I wanted to get up there and run. And, you know, there's a difference. In some congregations, every congregation has a personality all of its own. But do you know that in a lot of the churches, it's not that way. People are seem more happy. And, and why? We as Christians, with the added light that we have, everything that God has given us, why we don't have a merry heart? Why are we scowling at one another? Why are we not uh, having endorphins? Why is it not coming naturally to us? We don't look mean, do we? Pardon me? We don't look mean, do we? No, I didn't mean to imply <laughs> that you look mean. I said, I, I was especially thinking of one congregation that was a large one, and uh, it was frightening to stand up there because uh, uh, some of the people did look like they uh, were frowning. All right, so you get endorphins from laughing. Do you know, and they know this scientifically now, that you get endorphins from praising the Lord? Do you know that there's a, a blessing, an inestimable blessing for us by praising the Lord, especially when we praise him out loud? And this blessing is otherwise unknown to man. So learn to praise the Lord out loud. I like to say praise the Lord for everything. And... Um, and then gratitude, you, you stimulate your endorphins by gratitude, being thankful. It can be thankful for a spouse and communicating in that way. It can be thankful to God for uh, a garden and the uh, things coming up out of the garden. And you're getting endorphins all the time. You say, oh, look at this little plant. Thank you, Lord. And 
because the Lord is doing that for you. And um, then there's another way in being appreciative and service to others. See, if you get a blessing, you remember, uh, we've always been told if you, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's so true. And you get endorphins by helping others. And I remember one time we went to a city and I took a, a young lady with me and um, there was a man in a wheelchair on the street corner and she and I, we, we went for a long walk and we got lost. We didn't know how to get back to where we were having the cooking school. And um, so she said, well, I'll go in this shop. I said, no, let's go and give this man some endorphins. She looked at me like, this lady is strange. So I went over and I said to him who we were and how we were trying to get back to where we were giving these health lectures. And you could just see this man lit up. He needed endorphins. He was so thankful to be able to help us. Have you noticed that when you ask people for something, they love to help you out and show you where, you know, and it's because they're receiving endorphins. It's for their well-being. And listen, not only about turning your own endorphins on, but you can turn other people's on. But brothers and sisters, you can also turn their endorphins off, and you can shut yours off also. And to just give you an illustration about that, I will share a story. Dr. Lee said one morning, he came out of his house, ran down the steps across the lawn to go jogging, and his huge dog came over and tripped him, and he hit the ground. And he said at that moment, he had to make a decision. And you and I are making decisions like this all day long. Whether we know it or not, this is what we're doing. He said, I could stand up and kick the dog and say, boy, this is going to be some kind of day. Go shut my endorphins off and go off to work, and it turned out to be some kind of day. Or he could stand up and say, praise the Lord, I didn't break anything. See the difference? Listen, God has told us that in everything that happens, happens to the good for those who love the Lord. And even though we can't see it, there's good in things. And I wish I had time to share with you um, how that can happen. Um, now there's some corner, uh, counterfeits. For every good thing God has for you, there's counterfeits. Are you aware of that? Yes. You know, and you know what some of them are, don't you? I mean, there's a counterfeit for nice whole wheat flour, a whole wheat bread, homemade wheat bread. There's a counterfeit. What is it? White bread, right. And there's a counterfeit for um, wonderful, wholesome lemons that are so good for you. What is it? Vinegar, right. All right. And for delicious carob that is almost a whole food, Chocolate, very good. All right, now tell me, what is the counterfeit for endorphins? Pardon me? Morphine, heroin, marijuana, all of these kind of drugs that pick you up, make you feel better. You know what they do that tells your endorphins, shut your endorphins off. We're getting along, we feel good without you. And your endorphins are very important uh, for your uh, whole well-being and uh, just, you know, for a sense of feeling good. Brothers and sisters, it feels good to wake up in the morning and feel like getting up and feel like doing something. And I know the difference between feeling that way and then and dreading to face the day and not feeling well. We need to do everything that we can on our part. We need to... Uh, help our brothers and sisters also to stimulate for their endorphins, but especially in a family. We need to cultivate being more cheerful in our family with other family members and turn on their endorphins as well as ours. And when we begin to do this, brothers and sisters, and we create, some of us have to create a habit. It doesn't come natural for us to be uh, cheerful and happy and loving. And um, I know uh, when my children were young, and I was not a Christian, when I, I wished I was, but I wasn't when I raised my children, but my daughter said to me one time, Mother, why is it when adults drop and spill and break things, everyone sort of laughs about it, and, and when, it, when it ch children drop and spill and break things, everybody's mad at them, you know? And we do have a tendency to do that, and so we must allow 
for these things. Children love to please their parents. And if your children don't seem like they love to please you, brothers and sisters, it's in their heart. It's a natural thing. They love to please their parents. But it's sometimes it's your reaction to them and how you are handling them and maybe shutting off their immune system. All right, I'd like you to go with me to Deuteronomy 34. Okay, Deuteronomy 34. Now, does it say um, Moses climbed, uh, rather, Moses went up Mount Nebo in his wheelchair, or was it his walker helped him to get up there? Because you know he was 120 years old, right? I mean, he needed a wheelchair or a walker or something, didn't he? Oh, he walked. He walked up Mount Nebo. And uh, uh, verse 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Now, what I want to share with you, first of all, is you remember that 92-year-old man that I told you about last night, that he got rid of his white cane? Remember that? I don't know if it's going to help happen to you, but do you know that when I went after 15 years of having correction in my eyeglasses, I went to get my eyeglasses adjusted and they had to go the other way. My eyes were better than they were 15 years prior. So this man, he got rid of his walking stick. He didn't need the white cane anymore. Now, I mean, some people might just be disappointed in America if they didn't need that white cane anymore because they get a little uh, income you know, because they're declared legally blind. He wasn't <laughs> declared legally blind anymore. But this man was thrilled that he wasn't declared legally blind. So Moses must have had a very good immune system because it says, nor his natural force abated. I looked that up, and it says that uh, somewhere I wrote it down. The inmost or essential part of strength and vitality, physical power, strength and energy. Moses had a good immune system. And uh, his eye was not dim. And he walked up there. And this is what God has for us. He didn't intend for us to die of cancer of uh, all these degenerative diseases that we have, brothers and sisters. He intended for us, um, well, actually, intended that we not die at all. But after sin came in, we were supposed to die a righteous death like Moses did. We were to close our eyes and go to sleep. And it wouldn't be so fearful, would it? And uh, Moses was not fearful. He walked up there. We shouldn't be fearful either. It's because... Um, we don't know what we're going to run into. And uh, like I mentioned last night, some of these like science fiction uh, movies going on of some of the things that happen in these hospitals. All right, now the next one I want you to think about is Eli. Let's turn to First uh, Samuel 4. First Samuel 4:15. Now Eli was 90 and eight years old, and his, his eyes were dim that he could not see. Now this has a double application here, but his eyes were dim and he could not see. Well, when you think about Moses, Moses was 120. 120 is a lot older than 98. How come his eye was not dim, but Eli's eye was dim? Well, let's go down. I think the answer is in verse 18. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died for he was an old man. Moses wasn't an old man when he walked up Nebo. He was. Well, he was an old man as we think about age, but his force was not abated. He had a good immune system. 
And uh, he had the energy and to walk up that mountain. I mean, he didn't go in a wheelchair. But it says here that Eli was an old man and heavy. He, Eli was overweight. Eli was not eating properly. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. Now, uh, Eli was a man of God, and he should have known the health principles, shouldn't he? But you know, his eye was dim, but he closed his eyes also to what his sons were doing. He didn't correct his sons. Brothers and sisters, do we have a tendency to do this with our own children, to close our eyes to what they're really doing? You know, are we blind in a way? Is our eyes dim because we are not correcting our children? And it, is it because we're not eating properly that we don't get a real vision between good and evil? These are some things to think about. And now, um, I'm just going to read this to you because um, it's late. Uh, what about Proverbs 3, 7, and 8? It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And Proverbs 3, 8 says, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. The, the Bible is talking about a strong immune system, isn't it? And Proverbs 15:30 it says, "The light of the eyes rejoice the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat." I want fat bones. Do you want fat bones? So what you have to do is have a good report. Do you know what that means? Always, you know, talk about the positive. I love to be around people who are very positive people. They they have fat bones because they always have a good report. And then Proverbs 16:24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. We want to have health in our bones. We want to have a strong immune system. Then we should have pleasant words for one another. They are sweet as the honeycomb. All right. I'm going to take just a few more minutes and quickly skim through. Turn to Philippians 4. I would um, really like to go into this verse by verse with you, but I'm not going to have time, but I would like to just touch on it. Uh, now, let's start in uh, Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And what I found since I've been in the health work, one of the biggest problems we have as a people is recounting sorrows, recounting what happened to us as a child, recounting, you know, going in the past, living in the past. Here we're told, forget the things of the past and go forward. And um, I know that uh, married people many times recount their spouse's sins or problems or faults. This is the worst thing that we could do as Christians. We should never have a peep about our spouse's faults. Um, you know what we're doing? We're shutting off our endorphins. And if the spouse knows that you're doing that, you're shutting off their endorphins too, which is making it harder. Not only that, your brain doesn't know the difference between when you recount something sorrowful, whether it's happening again, or and uh, if you know, or your brain just doesn't know the difference. So if you're recounting it, it's like it's happening to you all over again. That's one of the reasons why we shouldn't watch these horrible things on television because our brain doesn't know the difference of whether it's actually happening to us or that we're just watching it. And so we should learn to take our problems to the Lord and leave them there. Well, somebody said, well, listen, that's easy for you to say, but you've never lived with my spouse, you know. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I'm going to give you a secret, and it works, and you know that the Lord was doing this for me before I was a Christian, but I didn't know that it was the Lord doing it. But looking back, I can see that he did it in my life before. But if you go to the Lord with your problems, the Lord will work them out. It doesn't matter how small or how big. I mean, I'm just going to give you a little uh, little example. Uh, 
one time, close your ears, I don't want you to hear this. <laughs> one, one time, uh, my husband and I, we had a lot of health lectures right in a row. And I was working on a health lecture and I was trying to do it in the van. We were driving from a cooking school to another one and we didn't have chance to go home in between or something. I can't remember exactly, but we were very, very busy. And I needed to work on this talk and the Lord knew that I needed to work on it and I needed to study more than um, the time I had. And uh, my husband is a very happy and cheerful person and if you've met him, you know that this is true. And my husband was whistling and whistling. I couldn't turn to my husband and say, would you please stop whistling? You're bothering me. And shut off his endorphins. So I said in my mind to the Lord, I said, Lord, would you impress Ray not to whistle anymore? Because I can't do this. I can't concentrate. And you know that my attention span is so small. And um, he just stopped whistling. He didn't whistle again on the whole trip. See, you go to the Lord. You go to the Lord no matter how small it is or how big it is, and the Lord will take care of it. He may not do it as fast as you think he should or something, but most of the time he does. And, um, and I was in some health lectures and where the people wrote in uh, to the doctor that was giving the lectures, and they wrote, uh, someone wrote in there, well, listen, what if I just don't love my husband anymore? I mean, so much has happened, I just don't love him anymore. And this health uh, person, this doctor said, oh, she read it out, the question out. She said, oh, this one's easy. This is simple. Just simply choose to. You see, I never knew that love was a choice. Some of us think, oh, he or she has hurt me so bad that I don't have love for them <clears throat> anymore. That's not true. That's not a true statement at all. The statement is, I choose not to love him. I choose not to love her anymore. And when you begin to realize that those are the kind of choices that you're making, then you can understand why you're shutting off your endorphins and your family's endorphins. Because if you're not happy with your spouse and in your home, then it is a reflection to your neighbors, to your children, to your relatives, your unbelieving relatives. And this is one reason why we cannot witness properly to our relatives, because they know what is going on in our home. And it, when our home is restored, when we begin to be forgiving and merciful, speaking joyful and peaceful words to one another, and choosing to love one another, then God can bless our home, richly bless our home, and we will be a witness to the whole community and to our, all of our families. And God will bless, and he will bring them to us, and they'll say, I want what you have. Now, just one more Bible verse, and it's Isaiah 58, 11. And Isaiah 58 is our work for this time and what we should be doing. And there's a gift in, in it if we begin to do it in the way that God has asked us to do it. And um, I would like to go through the, all of these verses with you, but I can't, so I'm just going to take you to Isaiah 58, 12. Um, no, that's not Isaiah 58:12. It's 58:11 uh, is what I'm looking for. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And I want to be like a watered garden. Don't you want to be like a watered garden, and to have fat bones? Thank you. Amen.